0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Green Room Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni and joining me once again is Colin Mitchell, sitting up in his chair, looking attentive, uh, looking ready for this podcast. Colin, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Bruni? I'm doing well. Um, this will be the first part of the podcast. Uh, we will be stitching these together, but uh, we're going to have DJ Draper on the podcast. I I think we'll probably have his name in, in the title somewhere or something, but uh, DJ will be joining us for the second half or joining me rather Colin's busy, uh, with work, but we got, so it'll be us two giving our thoughts over the last, you know, the Louisiana tech win and the UTEP win, and then we'll have DJ on and I'll just be talking to DJ probably about some, you know, overarching stuff, some, you know, questions I have about, uh, just North Texas in general, because now he's doing play by play and, mm. uh, or he's doing the color and analy- uh, and analysis. Uh, so. Uh that's interesting to see as well. So, anyways, two part podcast. Colin and I will be doing this for about 15 minutes or so, giving our thoughts. And Colin, I recently received a tweet. And yes, I read all of my tweets. Uh everybody who tweets at me rather. Received a tweet. Received a tweet. It's not an I email right Did you see it? I haven't been our on our Twitter Bill, in like days. Our boy Bill Kinney. Let me uh let me hop on Twitter real quick. All right, I'll let you I'll let you see it. My am I, am, <laughs> I am, am, am I tagged in it? Yeah, you are. Hold on. Get your raw authentic reaction to it. Shout out Bill, longtime listener. Um, we love everybody that tweets at us and uh leaves comments, all that good stuff on there. Do you see it now, Colin? If not, uh, I can share my screen. How far back is it? It was today, eleven. Oh, I just got it just popped up. Read it out loud.
1: <laughs> at, at cjh Mitchell at matthew Bruni on the next green room podcast will y'all recant the panic meter pause and declare your massive lack of faith
0: 23 and 5 hashtag eat your crow eat your crow con <laughs> i'm liking the tweet eat it away mm-hmm. all right so this is this is um where we're at obviously anytime we say anything negative and then they go on to win um I- i'll start off by saying this We'll we'll get the negative out of the way first all right, because this is I want this to be an overly p- positive podcast. We are covering. Listen, are you 20- negative right now? I don't think we're negative. No, 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 no. no. But we'll uh, we'll we'll look at where this season has come from, which we addressed on the last podcast already. But this team that lost to Rice was already inexcusable. We said it before. You're allowed to lose a game. Sure. Whatever. I just didn't like them losing to Rice, like lose to UAB or something like don't lose to Rice. But anyways, that game was whatever. We said it after that game. We said after the FAU games, we hold this team to the standard of winning championships. Regular mm. season championships, the most important thing we thought with those losses, it eliminated them from regular season title, you know, winning the regular season title, which it still might have FAU lost again. It's second game, uh, second game in five games two, uh two out of five games. They've lost now UAB and middle um, and middle was beating them pretty Pretty good yeah. um, early on before they came back. So, but again, FAU will have to lose two of these last four games in order for, and North Texas will have to win out in order for North Texas to win the title. UTSA, UTEP, Rice, LaTeX. I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe it happens, but I don't see it. So, anyways, um, the improvements that this team has made over the past month. Since January nineteenth, losing to Rice. Mm-hmm. Now we are recording this on February twentieth, where they beat UTEP in overtime. A game they were down eleven in the second half. I was texting you. I thought the game was over. I thought they had lost. Matthew Stone comes up big. Tyler Perry comes up big. Abu, man, Abu Ruben. comes up big. Ruben comes up big. Kai, the whole crew comes up big, and they win this game. um where are you at with this team with the the two wins this week? LaTeX was also a pretty impressive win, I thought on the road, mm-hmm. even though Kobe Williams is out for the year for them uh where where are you at with them uh I'm gonna be honest, just to preface this. I only watched the part where they were down eleven
1: because uh, I felt like that was the most important part yeah. um so uh
0: in that stretch, I saw i mean since you, you starting at the when down they were down eleven and on yes yeah. yes okay. yeah. yeah um.
1: Sorry. So, in that in that stretch, a couple things I noticed. Well, you don't, you, they didn't need Tyler Perry. I mean, obviously, he had a couple of big shots. They didn't need Tyler Perry there. And I think that was the most important thing. Honestly, UTEP, uh, Joe Golding is a defensive mastermind. So, mm-hmm. UTEP doing what they did in North Texas wasn't a surprising thing to me. It was the fact that they needed, it's UTEP still. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, watching those those 11 and then being done 11 and coming back, a couple things I noticed. Ruben Jones did. Did a lot of the playmaking, I feel like, in, in that time. Same with Kai Hunsbury. Kai hit, I think, hit two big threes. Ruben had that crazy pass to Abu. Mm-hmm. Um, it was different guys other than Tyler having to hit a big shot or doing big things. And I feel like that was the thing that Bruni and I were worried about early in the season when we thought they were struggling. Obviously, they struggled in this game, but I don't think it was necessarily because other guys weren't able to do anything. It's just UTEP was playing good defense. Um, and UTEP was
0: hitting some shots. This is not a good... uh I mean, free throw-wise, I think it started 21 to 24 at the line, and they're one of the worst free throw shooting yeah. teams. Uh, so that was kind of put me off a bit.
1: So so that, I think, is a positive thing to take away. And I don't think really think I could take any – the only way I would come out of this game thinking negatively was if they did lose just because yeah. it's UTEP. Because, um, listen, they play hard, They play good defense. I mean, they have the same type of DNA as North Texas play hard, and you can win games. So uh, I'm, I'm just very happy that Kai stepped up, Ruben stepped up, uh, you mentioned Matthew stone. He was four or five in 27 minutes, which is awesome. Uh, Sissoko played 20 minutes. Like yeah. the guys who, who normally wouldn't get run in games that are close
0: like this, uh, play big. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of places to go here. I will say Tyler, while well, he started the game, I believe one for eight. Yeah. And ended the game, uh, four of 12. So, um, Went whatever that is, but four of nine from three, obviously he had the big shots at the end. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's where you want this team to be. You want this team to be, they don't need Tyler Perry to carry them the entire game, but they have Tyler Perry there at the end to seal it or the yep. dagger, you know, kind of like how Javion was, right? Like when things got tight, you said, just give Javion the ball. and We'll figure it out. But the whole game, it wasn't Javion putting up 30 a game. It was James Reese, you know, Zach Simmons, guys like that playing so there's big picture wise and we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast but it continues to ring true the offense of this team has done a complete 180 yeah like anybody who says that this was predictable i think is lying to themselves because we've seen jumps in play from year one to year two like james reese remember his first year to year two like that was a big jump for i think drez even year one to year two was a jump um there have been players that have done that. Within the season, though, and I texted you this, Kai Huntsbury in the non-conference went 13 of 55 from three. That's 23.6%. Yep. In conference play, he is 24 of 61 for 39.3%, dude. Like, you pair that. So he's shooting 39%. Tyler's shooting 45%. As a team, they're shooting 38.8%. Yep. And then – in non conference, they were shooting 41% from two. And now they're shooting 53% from two. Like, it's, it's, absurd. and it's not like it's a big drop off in competition because in non conference, they were playing, you know, it's not, they couldn't score against UT Arlington, like, uh, UNC Wilmington. Like, they were playing decent teams, UMass, but they weren't. This is still just a dr- dramatic improvement on the offensive side of the ball. Like, you look at their like their Ken Palm. They're first in everything, three point percentage, two point percentage. I mean, they don't get their shots blocked at all. Seven percent. They're first in efficiency at one ten point five. I mean, it's legitimately now the best offensive team since that two thousand team, uh, two thousand twenty team rather that yeah. had Mo and JV on, You know, Zach and Dang and Reese. Like that team was a one thirteen offensive rating on Ken Palm. This year's team is one ten point five.
1: Yeah, like yeah. It's I insane. think I think the biggest thing, and you already kind of wrote up, is Kai sparing Me will hit the three. Um, yeah. there was a specific play during that comeback that I saw. Ruben took the ball down from the corner, and or sorry, Javion or Javion. Wow, wow. Kai to Javion, Kai passed it to uh to Ruben. Ruben drove and Kai kind of sagged off, and no one went to go guard him at the three point line. Ruben gave it to him. Boom, three. Like those are the plays that you need to have. Kai hit big shots. And he did, and I think that's the biggest thing because early in the season, we are like, who's going to hit threes for this team? Yeah. Tyree's not getting shots. Uh, Kai's broken Ruben at the moment. shooting
0: like 10% or something. Yeah, and year. then
1: Aaron Aaron Scott was, you know, your second best three-point, you know, mm-hmm. shooter. So the fact that there's guys now better than that is is huge, is massive. And then I, I like the fact that Matthew Stone finally got, you know, a couple shots to fall, which is huge.
0: Yes, that is huge. Though. As much as we love his hustle and his effort, we get – you got to make shots at the end of the day. You got to yeah. make shots for me to feel some validity to your playing time. In conference play, another guy which I think we've talked about a lot, but we'll continue to talk about him is Abu. Yep. He is now shooting 54% on 2 in conference play. And if for though, again, for those who don't remember, he was like 40% from 2, maybe even worse for stretches. Yeah. In non conference play. We were we would always be like, man, he's four of fourteen or four of twelve or something like that. Yeah. And now he's they're not forcing him in the post as much, which I think is a big a big change in their offense. Like they're not forcing him to be Zach anymore. Right. And I think that's a really, really big that's something I noticed a few games ago. Was like, man, those Abu post touches just aren't quite as frequent as they were in the non-conference, I feel like. And that's a good thing because now it's Tyler and Kai and Ruben. Like, it's a much more guard-centric team, which is what we wanted coming into the year, right? That's what we were like. You have those three guards, like, that can win you the conference by itself. It took a while for Kai and Ruben to kind of settle in, but you get those three guards playing, and you don't need a boost post-touches. Like, you just don't need to force them as much. He's third in the conference in offensive rebound percentage, like seventh in defense rebound percentage, so you're still getting that. But now he's more of a um, he's more of a catch and finish type guy instead yeah. of just bounce, 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 turn, post hook. And I think that's that's big. Here's
1: an interesting that, thing I want to bring up. So uh, Mule Sissoko got 20 minutes. Jade Martinez yeah. only two minutes. Obviously, that's because Aaron Scott and Abu were in foul trouble. Do you is are we are, have we seen the end of the the run that Jade Martinez would have? Is this kind of where he is going to be at the rest of the season? I think so. I mean, we've seen it. It's pretty much been like, what,
0: five games now where he's just kind of yeah. really played much? But uh, if he was going to play in any game, it would have been this one with the foul trouble, foul trouble. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. The foul trouble. Yeah, the last five games, he's at one minute, three minutes, six minutes, zero minutes, two minutes. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I Yeah, I just think they really like Sissoko's rebounding, his presence in the paint. Um, It just kind of gives them something to where he's even – I mean, his athleticism is obviously, I think he's more athletic than Abu as far as dunking the ball and, you know, maybe even protecting the paint to a degree. So I think you get, you can keep your defensive intensity with him a little bit better. And our whole thing early in the season, again, for those who don't remember, don't want to go back and listen, they couldn't score the ball. Yeah. Like this team literally could not score the freaking basketball. And even as recently as like, they're still going to go through moments where they don't score the ball. The past five games, they've been really, really good. But before that, they were scoring 52 against UTEP, 63 against UTSA, 63 UAB, 60 against Rice in the loss, like 64, 62, 67. Like they, they weren't scoring the ball at a high enough clip. So we said, you know what, scrap it, scratch everything, just throw Jaden Martinez in there at the five whenever Boo's not in the game. Yeah. And just go score the ball. Like that was the whole thing. Figure it out how to score the ball was the hardest thing. And they've done it. Yeah. They've done it. Give them credit. Give Kai credit for improving this quickly um Tyler credit for maintaining what he's done I mean what a guy um and this whole team for just pulling out those wins because the UAB game they very well could have lost UTEP game they very well could have lost even though UTEP got that tip in off the free throw um but if Tyler like misses that three yeah. you know it's a tough situation uh, now you have anything else before we look ahead a little bit
1: oh uh, no I, I was actually just bringing up the schedule going all forward, right go so. ahead bring it up so Charlotte middle and western are left do we think they went out you said last week i think it was last week that la tech game was the only game that you thought would really
0: the la tech game scared me middle kind of scares me um i i think i said last week that this road trip was going to be tough like la tech yeah and um utep on a on a road back to back because they are all they also they flew from Shreveport to El Paso. Like that's not a fun flight. No, that's that's going to be those airports got to be crazy too. Yeah, like Sh- <laughs> Shreveport to El Paso airport airports. That's uh, crazy. That's actually crazy. So anyways, but that's what I'm saying, you had those two games in 3 days. That's what worried me is that they were going to lose one of those games cuz La Tech's always tough. Uh UTEP is is a pain to play yeah. at home. So those were scary. You have Charlotte on the road now. But you look at it this is their only game within like a two-week span. Like they play February 18th, February 23rd, and then March 2nd. Yeah. So all their energy needs to be on this Charlotte game, which I think it will be. If they can take care of business in this one, they got middle and western at home. Why well, never like favorite playing... according to ESPN? Kim Palm has North Texas as slight favorites. So. Interesting. It is what it is. But yeah, it will be one of those type of games. But they did shut down Charlotte the first time they played them. Yeah. Um Middle and Tennessee on schedule at the end, you never feel good picking against Middle and Western because you just feel like they can, you know, Western. Well, because are, they have the
1: capability, right? Yeah, they're always, like, capable. And Middle like, is,
0: is a good team, uh, much better than Western. What is Western now in conference, for God's sakes? Western six is 6-10, and, six ten. and ten, yeah. So what percentage do I think it is that they run the table at this point?
1: What I gave him last week, twenty percent or sixty percent? I don't know. That's very different. But he said something
0: were... crazy. I don't remember. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the likelihood that they win all three games is probably around fifty percent, which is high. With probably not like actually that high. Like analytically speaking, it's probably like thirty percent. Yeah. But I think this team gets it done to Charlotte and will beat Western. So that middle game at home is the only one I'm really really worried about.
1: Yeah, the the middle game for me is, is definitely the worst one, especially since they just came off of beating FAU, so they got to have huge amounts of confidence. But um, I think
0: I think it was after the UTEP game or something like that when they were 9-3, and three, I was like, heck, if they go – or maybe it was even later, but I said, if they can go 16-4 and four in conference, this team deserves a standing ovation. Yeah. And I still believe that. Yeah. 100%. From the LaTec games – just or I'm sorry, not the LaTec, the FAU games – Are such gut punches looking back because if they just win one of those, they're in the driver's seat. Like I just think this team at its peak, and we said this is what we talked about last podcast. This team at its peak is the best team in this conference. Yeah, it's taken a while to get there, but now that they're there, this team should be able to win out, go seventeen and three, and they still might not win the conference. Like that's that's the unfortunate part is that like those two FAU losses just suck, but. It happens. And FAU has
1: UTSA, UTEP, Rice, and La Tech left. Yeah. Um, Rice and La Tech are away. So. They're not
0: losing two of those. So. I mean, we didn't think they'd lose. Yeah, but Middle's a good team. Middle on the road, that's not a surprise. UAB and Middle on the road are not surprising losses. That's true. That's like, true. They they they're just so solid at the end of the day. And yes, they have got pushed to overtime by La Tech and. You know, I I do I still think North Texas at its peak is better than FAU. Like we talked about last time, North Texas almost beat FAU, and North Texas was a shell of what it is right now. Yep, yep. If if you get that North Texas, you give that FAU team playing against this Kai Huntsbury that's shooting forty percent from three. I'm looking at right now, Kai shot 0-4 from three in that game. Like it's just it's a different it's a different. And if he gets style. one of those
1: in either game it's yeah you know one point game. possession to one of them and then the other one yeah i mean they lost by four in both so yeah
0: so we'll save our our conference predictions obviously from here but is the uab still third uh
1: uab is third yeah three so and a half UAB is, attack, so. is
0: third by a game maybe middle can pass them. i mean uab and middle i think uab is better and obviously more dangerous but at the end of the day i don't i don't know how much better they are than middle I think Middle is pretty good team. Is UAB the most disappointing team this season? Western Kentucky, really? Western has to be. Western six and ten.
1: Yeah, but they the coach has been out for stuff and dumb. Okay,
0: um, I mean UAB also has the excuse of Jordan Walker being out, and they continue to win games. Like even though they were down to UTSA actually uh, on Saturday, uh, they were oh yeah, that was eight. crazy. I think they were down nine with like yeah eight minutes left or something. They come back and win. So again, they're the most dangerous. It will probably for North Texas, they're probably going to have to get through UAB and then FAU to make to win the the conference tournament. It's very possible if this team is playing the way it's playing, they're going to do it. So, last thing, go ahead, Ken
1: Palm. You said they're ranked 53rd. Uh, yes, they went out <laughs> at large. Bed Bruni,
0: this man asked me this every single time. I'm going to ask you every week, <laughs> every single podcast, he asked me this. I'm still going to say no.
1: Listen, what do you think they are right now? Like last seven out?
0: So I've seen a lot of different places say that they're like, they're like, like there's the field. And then if you're ranking everybody not in the field right now, they're probably in like the six to 12 range in that. Hmm. It's not good enough. I can't. Because we have to remember as well, and I want people to remember this, is all those bracketologies are taking the conference champion, uh, like the regular season conference champion, and they're using them as the automatic qualifier. Right. When in reality, there will be some upsets where a team that should not have made the tournament makes the tournament, and then a league adds another bid. You know what I mean? So, like... I don't know, give me – I was going to go SEC just because that's what I know. But, like, again, yeah, let's say an SEC team like that's not supposed to be in ends up winning. Like Let's just say, for the sake of it, Mississippi State wins the SEC tournament. Yeah. Boom. Bit gone. Just like that. And it's it's that way for every conference. Like, all the teams on the bubble. Uh, I've watched a lot of – I think it was – was it UNLV or was it New Mexico? Well, whoever it was. But, like, if a Mount West team wins the, the conference, that's another bid for them that you know so it's just it'll be tough i still say no i don't think so um if they are going to they need to have a couple blowouts here you can't be going to overtime with utep no it might think a... the whole year it's not the record it's the fact they don't have it's the fact they don't have those quad one wins like the fau games would have been huge for that we That's talked true. about it before it's true so uab at home was cool UAB on the road was a great was a I think that was a quad one win, um, Charlotte on the road is not going to be a quad one win I don't think but that's another, you know, resume win so, you know Charlotte Middle and Western win those three if you can blow out one or two of them then maybe you have a shot but,
1: it's low don't get me wrong, but I think it's the it's one of the higher chances they've had.
0: You think about it though beat Charlotte Middle and Western and then you beat let's just say. You'd have to make the championship game. I mean, yes, that's obviously. what I'm saying. So yeah. you win these three. Let's say you beat UTEP and UAB. Yeah. And then that's five in a row. That gets them to 27 and six. Or 27, I'm sorry. 28 and five. <laughs> Going to a championship game with FAU. And if they did lose that game. Yeah, I mean, I think close. they would have a shot. I think you have a shot. But at, at the end of the day, Colin, they're at the point where I think if they did lose to FAU in the tournament, they're going to the nit yeah but i think that's a foregone conclusion at this point right i mean last year's think, team at the nit yeah I, I think so well last year's team was 16 and 2 in conference they were very very good as well but yeah i think that they i've seen nit projections with them as a one seed really I
1: well think. doesn't the nit take the conference winner like regular season winner? yes
0: but that's what i'm saying is if north texas and fau play in the conference championship game yeah. The loser of that will go to the NIT.
1: Right, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay.
0: The winner goes to the tournament, So we'll see. Now I don't know how it works. The Nortex loses the UAB in the semis. I don't know. But we'll we'll hash all that out later. We still have another week. Um, well heck another till March fourth, basically, to get through the Western game. So
1: okay. that's a long time actually.
0: I know. Like I said, they have Charlotte the twenty third, they don't play until the second. Which I know it's just one week later because February is a short month, but yeah, a week later and then March 4th. So there you go. All right. Um, we'll get DJ in here. I'll do the, the wrap up at the end of that. So uh, yeah, have a good one, Colin. Adios.
1: DJ's going to be me. He's going he's
0: yeah, to have your name there. There you go. And now joining us is DJ Draper, man, the legend himself. DJ, how are you doing today?
2: I'm good, Bruni.
0: How are you doing, man? I'm doing well over here in in Baton Rouge, just uh, living living the life. Uh, Like I told you off air, Colin and I recorded our segment beforehand, so now you and I can just uh, talk about this team. But first, before we get into that, you've done four North Texas home games this year as a color analyst. Um, What got you into this? and how how is it how has it gone so far
2: it's been fun it's been awesome how i got into it during my tenure at north texas i always told hank I said hank if you ever have a spot open for me for unt color mm-hmm. commentating i'm doing it i'm there and he goes okay i'll think about it and then i met a guy named kyle yeomans yeah. who does a lot of the unt yeah,
0: kyle love kyle
2: and his fiance is really good friends with my now wife so then kyle yeomans had the hookup, and then i had hank so i was just kind of sandwiching unt i was like i worked my way in there so that's how but it was really kyle yeomans did a great job of uh yeah. getting me involved in that in that atmosphere of broadcasting he also yeah. got me at the texas legends he got me a with the texas legends that i've been doing too
0: Oh, nice. All right. So you going to keep this, like, side job going? It's going to be something you're going to try to do every year, or is this a one-time thing? I don't know.
2: I really like it. I love watching ball. I love getting yeah. paid for it. Um, but you can tell, like, like, I never really paid attention to these broadcasters, but you can tell, like, the real ones, like Fran Frischella, Jay Billis, they're just different. They got something different about them. They're super well-educated on the subject, yeah. and the preparation's insane. So I don't know. It's fun, though.
0: I was, I was going to say, I mean, your perspective has always been, you know, with the team as far as, like, how can we win this game? And now you're watching it being like, all right, we have to assess the game. We have to cater to both fan bases. We have to feed off of Kyle Humans or Hank or whoever you're doing it with. Has that been challenging?
2: Yeah, it is challenging for two reasons. The first one um, is when you go to a basketball game and you're watching the game, you're usually watching the game and then having a conversation during media timeouts mm-hmm. or free throws, but actually watching a game and having a real conversation at the same time. Where, you know, I have to listen to the play-by-play guy intently mm-hmm. and pay attention to the game. It's harder than it seems. And then the second thing that's, that's tough is my energy level is sometimes not great because I've seen so many of these plays – like a yeah. windmill dunk or like a fast break, break dunk doesn't really get me excited because I, I, I've seen it at yeah. the highest level. I've seen Obi Toppin windmill yeah. at Dayton, right? Yeah. I've seen the biggest of the bigs. <laughs> so energy is another thing that's tough for me, but I'm getting better at it.
0: That is – that's a great point. That's a great point. So last thing before – we'll we'll talk a lot of North Texas ball here in a second. My last question is, is there a mistake that, that haunted you for like a day or anything like that? Did, did, on a broadcast i don't think you did because i feel like i would have remembered it when i when i watched your game because i i I remember all like all of your games and the calls i was just trying to remember if there was one that stuck with you like dang i i either mispronounced the name or didn't know something
2: no i mean
0: podcast i don't know i i feel like i always slip up or say something that haunts me
2: for UNT, I'm pretty locked in, you know, to everything going on yeah. because I know the names well, and I'm I'm conscious of like Coach Grant McCaslin watching mm-hmm. this, you know. So I don't want I want to do a good job so he doesn't rip me up, you know. I don't want to say anything poorly about them. I want to be well educated <laughs> yeah. about yeah. the other team too. But for the Texas Legends, um, there's a guy named Tajay Moore from the University of Houston.
0: Yeah, Tajay Moore. Yep.
2: And, uh, for like the, fr- I've done probably, I've probably done 15 games for the legends now until like two weeks ago. So for the first 10 to 12 games, I, I called him Taze Moore uh-huh. for like 10 to 12 games. And finally someone said, you know, it's not his name. Right. And I was like, I had no clue. And I'm sure really? the people watching the ESPN plus and YouTube TV, mm-hmm. the live broadcast, it's probably his family. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're probably the whole time cussing me out saying that's not his name. So that's probably the biggest mistake I've made. Nothing crazy, though. No hot mic situation. Yeah, no, no, nothing
0: crazy. Nothing crazy. But I feel you there because that's like whenever somebody tells you, like, you're pronouncing this wrong or you got this wrong, your heart kind of drops for a second. It's kind of like, damn, like, this is – I feel like I I wish I could, like, make it right, but you just got to move on. And
2: I know. know. And I'm like, if someone would have told me game one or two, that would have been nice as well. Yeah,
0: someone should have told you that. That's funny, though all right let's start north texas we don't have all day here um we wanted you on because we wanted to spice things up colin and i can only repeat ourselves for so long and uh talk about the team for so long um basically to give you a rundown of how we have viewed the season we were p- panicked after the southern nasa and saint mary's games we were like okay this is this is not good but tyler and ruben didn't play but whatever we were still like They got to fix the offense a little bit. They go on a run, you know, non-conference goes through. We're like, okay, still offense isn't great. They get through. uh, They lose to FAU once. They come back, win some games, come back, like win some ugly games, you know. uh, Middle Tennessee come back, the La Tech game at home. uh, They lose to FAU again. We're like, okay, this isn't great. Lose to Rice, and I just completely panicked. I'm just like, this is – the offense isn't working. Like, they're trying to – match what they did last year when they don't have the personnel um and since then since january 19th they have won what eight straight and uh now they have three games left in regular season and now everything's beautiful they're shooting 38 percent from three in conference they're like two point percentages up like 15 percent almost it's it's insane so that's where how we viewed the season uh what if, what if, what is your take on this team overall how good do you think they are
2: I think they're really good, but with you, I was a little bit panicked at the beginning after that Southern Nazarene game, just because it's it's like, come on, they're Division 2, we're Division 1. Now, that being said, that Southern Nazarene team is really good.
0: I got a call. I got a call after we did that podcast. I'm not going to say who called me. I got a call, and someone let me know how good Southern Nazarene was, and I, I, I was like, okay, that's all fair, very fair. But it didn't change anything of really what I said, and the and the person who called me acknowledges like yes, still like it wasn't good, but Southern Nazarenes are a really good team, so continue.
2: No, they're good. I mean, if you look up their record right now, I don't know what it is, but I bet it's I bet it's good. Yeah, look it up right now. But um, I mean, they're always in the mix for winning conference championships and maybe having a run to win the whole thing in division two. But, um, yeah, they're 23 and three right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're good. They're really good. They have players who should be in division one rankings. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was a little bit nervous after that. Uh, and then the St. Mary's, I wasn't too beat up about that game just because I know St. Mary's is good. And we had a crazy road trip. I mean, how many people were sick with the flu? flu? How many people didn't play? So I wasn't too worried about that. Um, And I think it's just a typical UNT team where we just get better and better as the year goes on. People kind of fall into their roles, and usually the best player becomes the best player in the conference, right, with Javion Hamlet for two years and now Tyler Perry. It's like you really start to see that these guys are at the top of their game when, like, March comes around, which is huge. My
0: question is, you kind of mentioned it, the team getting better as the season goes on because, like, the offensive numbers were horrendous in the non-conference and then end up – now they're just rolling through teams um, offensively, especially since, since the Rice game. We saw it with, like, James Reese, you know, had a big jump first year to second year. Um, I think even Drez, to a degree, first year, to second year. There have been a lot of examples of players getting significantly better, like, either late in their first year or um, year one to year two. Why do you think that that is? Is it just – comfort within the style because it is such a unique I mean it is pretty unique to play the slowest tempo in the country but do you think that takes some time to adjust to
2: it does it does you know you got to know when to cut know when to screen there's a bunch of plays you have to know and ultimately just on the defensive end you have to really figure out how to play defensively you know so if you can get the defensive side of things down then you can kind of let your mind rest on defense and just let your instincts and your body take over and on offense, that's when you can really be good and start thinking about when should I cut. Oh, this guy's hedging. I should cut now. I should go to this screen, go into a handoff. You want to be thinking the most on offense, I think. And defensively, just have your principles locked down.
0: I mean, especially with this coaching staff, to where you have to expend so much energy on defense, and it obviously that is the bread and butter of you know Ross Hodge and Grant McCaslin. It's like you have to think so much on defense and be so sharp that it, it does – it's it's an underrated thing. It takes away some of the energy you have yeah. offensively. I feel like that's something – I mean, Grant yeah. talked about that a lot with, with Javion, how it took him a year to really figure that or even half a season to kind of figure that out. Um, has that – I mean, it, do you think that's part of the reason why it helps to play such a slow pace to a degree, to be like, all right, we're going to give 100% on defense, shut you down, and then offensively we, we can't run. We can't run and then just – lock down on defense again. Like it's just asking way too much. Like I watch Houston. Houston's kind of a similar way. You don't think of Houston of playing like a super slow tempo, but I think they're like three thirtieth and something in like pace. So it's kind of like that to where you just those great defensive teams for the most part, like you just can't run after that.
2: Yeah, I think number one, you're right. You really can't run a high tempo offense when you exert that much energy on the defensive side of the ball. And then number two Offensively, you can really put a squeeze on people. If you play tough on the defensive end and then take a lot of time on the offensive end, Mm -hmm. it just makes like six-point leads seem like 10 points, and it makes 10-point leagues seem like 18, you know? It's like crazy. So half of it is because you need to slow it down for your energy, but I think the other half, even if you're not playing that hard on defense, just putting that squeeze on the other team that each possession means a lot more, Mm -hmm. that's a part of it as well
0: now when you played and you kind of saw just how the offense starts to flow starts to click to a degree um taking your plan days into consideration is it like does it make sense that this team has gotten this much better offensively over the past month or two like how much they've gotten better because like we've seen I think that like 2020 team when y'all had Mo and uh, Dang and guys like that, I think y'all got a lot better in conference too. But like this is a real jump. Like Kai is shooting – Kai went from like 24% from three to 39% from three. And like uh, Abu is finishing at like 15% more. Does it like make sense to you since you've actually like been inside of it?
2: Yeah, I mean I think this is the most talented UNT team that's walked through here for sure. And you got Tyler Perry who can make his own shot um can create for others. Reuben Jones, Kai Huntsbury. And now you got Aaron Scott who can knock down the open three. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stone came in big and it hit a few big shots. And then Abu is really, I mean all the credit to Zach Simmons, but is like the first big guy we've had who you can just throw it into him and he can really draw a double and make some moves out of there. Yeah. You know? So I think he is really the X factor in the team. Just his ability to to draw doubles down low and score one on
0: one. Now there's there's an outside chance of them trying to get an at-large bid for the NCAA tournament. Um I'm I'm maintaining that I think they gotta probably win the tournament because I can't put any faith in people. Also they don't have the resume to wins at this point like the Q1 wins. The FAU losses really hurt that I mean you know we could always talk Qs but um three games left here. Charlotte Middle Tennessee West Kentucky you've been in this situation before where it's like you got to close out the year. Is there any concern with like fatigue or the mental side of things uh, where you can st- kind of start to look ahead to the tournament to a degree?
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, you, you start to really try to position yourself where you want to be in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And if you start doing that, that's when you start losing games, you know, you just got to take them one by one. It's cliche, but you really do. 'Cause what'd you say they have Charlotte, then middle, then Western? Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be easy to overlook Charlotte after beating mm-hmm. them big and then say middle Tennessee's a tough matchup. Let's prepare for that one. But that's when Charlotte Charlotte bites you real quick. So mm-hmm. yeah, if you're UNT, I think the only way you get an at large bid is if you win out and lose to like FAU yeah. in the championship. You know, I mean, and then yeah. maybe you have—I would say—you have like a fifteen percent chance to get an at-large bid. I agree. So I,
0: I, we're the same way. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah,
2: you gotta—you gotta win your games. But now you could—if you—you shouldn't do this—but you could start saying like, do we want to position ourselves? Do we want to be two, three, four? Like, where do we want to be in this tournament? Yeah. Because it does matter where you're at in the tournament, as far as game times and who's on that side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to see a Western Kentucky or a Middle Tennessee. Yeah, or
0: UAB in this. Or UAB. I
2: mean, so. uh I think,
0: I feel like they're in the position to where, like, if FAU was still two, like, was still three games, I think that was like two or three games up on them before they lost the middle. If they still only had one loss, I think they would be looking at it to be like, all right, is there a way we can avoid UAB in the second round? But now that FAU lost it, I think it opens a door enough to where it'd be like, Heck, let's just win out and maybe
2: FAU slips up again and we can get the one.
0: I don't but, think it's going to happen.
2: But the, the only thing with getting a one seed is I think if you're if in the tournament the one seed you have that eleven a.m. game, like the morning game. Mm, yeah. You know, and like that's a good point. <laughs> now you never, you never try to lose on purpose ever. You never try to do that. But it is things that you're conscious of. Just like I, I don't really a know. Coach.
0: As a coach yeah. just looking, you gotta you gotta look at everything, and that's kind of just um, how it goes. Um it was funny. People have said over the past couple weeks, this isn't like specific, but we have a lot of people on Twitter that interact with us. My most interactive tweets are still North Texas tweets, mm. like by far. It's it's hilarious. Um, and it's like they people are already looking back at how we reacted to the rice loss and like the, the early season stuff and being like, oh man. Y'all, y'all are wrong for that. Y'all were y'all gotta recant that. Y'all gotta look back on that and apologize. And I'm like, to me, and you can let me know if I'm wrong here, I feel like I'm holding them to the standard that they hold themselves to is like winning a conference championship. So that rice loss just kills your chances at a championship whenever you're looking at it like that. And obviously it's just one game like, you know, Grant, Ross, all them, like you move on because you and which they clearly have done, but like it just I feel like Looking at it from a fan, even as an analyst, however you want to look at it, it's like, damn, that like a rice loss or one of the FAU losses, uh, those just hurt, they do
2: hurt. But I mean, every look at every team across the country, right? Everyone's yeah. losing games. I think what eight number one seeds this year have lost, which yeah. is unprecedented. So, I mean, everyone's losing games, and you know that's going to happen during the season. You just got to clip the games that you know you need, right? Like at FAU. You really need that game. Not yeah. because you know, you're know you behind in the standings, but because if you do get to that tie, then, it's, then they don't have a leg up on you for beating you twice. Yeah. So, I mean, now UNT, I think I'm correct on this, now UNT has to have more wins than FAU to actually yeah. win. Yep. Where if they would have got one win at home or away, then it's a different story. So, I think the FAU game is more important than the Rice game.
0: Yeah. Um, when... Looking at it, just the let's just theorize for a second before we get you out of here. Um There, let's say they lose in the conference championship game and they get a one or two seed in the NIT. Mm. Like, I feel like people don't understand how impressive that is. Like, if they did get a one or two seed, and let's say they want, like, they went to overtime with Virginia last year. Let's let's, let's let's remember that. And then, like, it's either that or you play either as an eleven or twelve or something like that, and you get in. Uh, deep. I don't know. I, I don't see the NIT, if you can win two or three games in the NIT, like that's that's almost as good to me as making the tournament losing.
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, on paper it looks good, but we all know the hype that's around March Madness. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I think if you would ask a coach if they would rather go to March Madness, losing the first round, or make it three rounds in NIT – I really think everyone would say go to March Madness.
0: I think so because of the opportunity and like the the chance to be on the national stage. It makes sense.
2: Yeah, and I
0: I think la- well the year that y'all obviously made the run uh, or, or won the game uh, against Purdue that year, I was like, all right, definitely making the tournament is one hundred percent. The year before the COVID shortened year, mm-hmm. I was saying that making run the in the NIT would have been better than than making. Um, than making the NCAA tournament and losing in the first round because that year y'all needed the fans in a in a way. It felt like th- y'all were on the brink of bringing the entire community behind y'all. And a home NIT game, I think, would have looked a lot like the CBI championship. Yeah. And that would have been different. We obviously don't know what would happen there, but uh, I think y'all would have won the tournament. It wouldn't have mattered. But regardless, so now we look at this team, and I agree with you in that I think I, I would rather have the NCAA tournament because – this team can win a game in the NCAA tournament. Like this team is that good. Um, I'm just saying, if they make the NIT and win three, two or three games, that is that would still go down in history as uh, second best season. I mean, great in North Texas history. Man, I that mean, would be fun.
2: I would say, golly, the NIT, I would say the only way that making the NIT is better than March Madness is if you make it to Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And even I would even say Winning a game in March Madness is more, is like more heralded than winning. Matthew. We're back. We're back. So I would say winning the NIT championship is not even on the level of winning one game in March Madness. I mean, winning one game in March Madness is insane. I would take that over to NIT championship any day.
0: I agree. I agree. It's a, it's an interesting point. I'm just, I'm already caught myself looking at bracketology stuff, and I'm just like, all right, who can North Texas beat here? Let's see. Do let's,
2: you think? What, what seed do you think the Conference USA champion gets?
0: Honestly, I've seen FAU at getting a nine right now. Like, FAU has been getting a nine and tens places. And so, if North Texas wins this thing. If they can get an 11 without having to play the play in, like, if, they, if North Texas could win it and get an 11 seed, I mean, we're talking six versus 11. I mean, that's very doable here yeah i mean
2: no you're a, right
0: it's an interesting it's an interesting situation here um because this isn't like this isn't the 20 even the like the 2020 team or the 20 i mean yeah probably the 2020 team where like if they would have made it if y'all would have made it, it would have been like a 13 seed i think that was where some of the bracketology had at. and then they make it y'all make it the next year at 21 you know the 12 seed and you kind of just go oh no we got 13. 13 13 13. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's not the same anymore. It just the consistency this program has had over the past four or five years has been just nuts. And so it's wild. Yeah. Um, well, anything else on, on this team, anything that, that sticks, sticks out to you? Is there anything that surprised you uh, with this team before we let you go? I'm looking at the, the numbers right now. I couldn't believe this team is shooting 39% from three. I mean, I just didn't think they were going to get there,
2: but yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not really surprised by anything, you know. They have all these guys coming back and then Kai, we knew was going to be a really good score. Um man, mm-hmm. I just I'm just super happy that North Texas continues to live up to the standard that they've set. They're kind of a victim of their own success. We're like we're sitting here what have they lost 3 games in the in the conference? Yeah.
0: They're 14 and, and 3.
2: 14 and 3 and we're like disappointed in a couple losses. So I mean like Yeah. It's unbelievable what they've done. Um, so, I mean, I'm super thankful to be a part of that for a couple of years, but it's, it's also cool to see the fans' engagement and the community's engagement, how much better it's gotten over the past five years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, it is interesting. You bring up an interesting point of saying it's the most talented team because this I was debating it's either this team or I think the 2020 team. In yeah, my me. senior year. The twenty twenty team with Javion Mo, Zach Dang, Thomas Reese, uh you and Rose were the eight. That's a pretty Yeah, a pretty I mean good
2: I'm biased. I'm biased. <laughs> I think that team beats any team just because I think Javion Hamlet is the head of the snake there, and he's a killer. Um, and I mean like Roosevelt Smart is coming off the bench and he had yeah. forty points at rice as a sophomore. I mean, he made one hundred and thirty-three. Was that your favorite game?
0: Career. What was your favorite game of your career? Playing? Yeah.
2: Like personally, it has to be. Probably has to be at Rice. That's
0: yeah, what I'm thinking. I had two
2: good games at Rice. One I scored twenty-three, and then one I had like eighteen in front of James Harden. Yeah. James Harden yeah. was on the front row, and I had eighteen in front of him. So those were cool. But uh, I mean, my favorite game to be a part of was probably beating western that's, kentucky at home for the conference yeah you know yeah. that's all I, I, I mean
0: i i'm a big on winning the conference regular season is is more impressive than winning the tournament i'll take that to the grave so that's yeah that was the one for me as well that western win was was crazy because that was like getting over the hump moment like after the first two years of grant and you know it was good years good years but it wasn't quite there that 2021 that was that was a fun game that was really yeah it took game. it to a new level you I'm know really that i'm not going to be at the conference usa tournament this year i just i i miss it already i miss it. i'll be there for you there you go good i I, I just out. loved sitting there and just getting popcorn and just watching all these games go on not even covering all, all of them except north texas good time. yeah
2: I might call a game or two. You never know.
0: Do it. There you go. All right. There you have it. DJ Draper uh, gonna be calling some uh, Conference USA games. Uh, That'd be get fun, that.
2: man. Someone get
0: get, get, get Kyle and uh, Hank on it. Get all of them on it. So I know Calculate I've got everything.
2: I've got two big time, you know, strong arms at North Texas with Kyle and Hank. So mm-hmm. I might be just, in good position.
0: Just gotta start working your way up there. Just gotta start working your way up. All right. DJ, thank you for joining me, man. Uh, this has been fun. Uh like I said, it's good to change it up from Colin and I just repeating ourselves for the entire season. And uh but it's almost tournament time, man. Best time of the year.
2: Tournament time. I'll come yeah. on anytime you want, man. Just give me a ring.
0: Yes, sir. We'll do. Thanks for thanks for coming on, man.
2: All right. See ya.